Hello and welcome to Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for another episode of Podcasting Greatness here on YouTube and everywhere good podcasts are sold. I am welcoming this week Tim Ward, co-author of a book about truth in politics, and not just a book, but uh, I, this is actually a follow-up to a podcast I did years ago, one of my one of my first podcasts with uh, Gleb Tabersky, and he uh, and Tim here have uh, written this book and have been pushing for a um, a truth pledge and various other things in politics and and uh, trying to get some honesty and integrity going in that sphere of activity. And that's about the, the, the most summary version I think I can give of what this is all about. But I wanted to, uh, to talk to Tim about this today. So Tim, welcome to the show. My pleasure, Chris. I'm so glad to be your guest. And whew, what a lot to talk about. <laughs> Whoa, tell me about it. You know, I put on, I actually posted on Twitter just a few minutes ago that I'm off to go do a podcast about truth in politics. And I'm pretty sure most of you think that's going to be a pretty short episode. Because how do you talk about truth in politics when there is nothing but, it seems to us, spin, 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 influence, influence, uh, you know, propaganda, and, uh, and just outright lies. A lot of them. It's, not, it's a field that seems strewn with that. And the American public are at the point now where it's very difficult to feel that you can trust any politician, you know. What's, um, how did you guys, what is this all about? What are you guys trying to do? Well, the Pro-Truth Pledge that Gleb started and the Pro-Truth book that we wrote together both came out of the unprecedented election year of 2016, mm. when for the first time we had a major political candidate not just tell lies, but seemingly have a flagrant regard for what was actually, observably, factually true. And often when that happens with a politician and they get called out by the media, they um, will retract or try to make an explanation. Instead, what you saw with candidate Trump was he would double down. That's right. And would accuse the media of themselves being liars without any, any, any basis. And that picked up huge traction, actually, throughout the Republican um, primaries and then, then the election to the point where many people, at least half the country, were flummoxed by the fact that Trump won the, uh, the Electoral College vote. Uh, and then when it continued on with him claiming that he really won the popular vote, but those votes were fraudulent, that his, um, uh, that his uh, um, inauguration was the biggest crowd ever, despite the photos that clearly showed that it was much smaller than Barack, o Barack Obama's, and uh, his staff then going out and claiming that what he said was actually true. This disconnect that led to phrases like alternative facts and post-truth politics. Yeah. And, the really whole, and the whole hashtag fake news. Yes, I mean, exactly. all of it. Yeah, it's exactly. dominated the national conversation for exactly. the last four years. And I have to say, especially for my partner, Gleb, he emigrated from uh, Moldova in the Soviet Union in the 1990s and uh, he remembers as a child and his parents remembered what it was like living under a totalitarian regime that tells you this is the truth and everybody knows it's a lie 
But to speak the truth is actually outlawed. And propaganda citizens just live in that, in that world because they don't have any choice. And for Gleb, seeing the United States move towards the kind of authoritarianism, which can create that kind of state control over who gets to say what's true, was, was so sickening to him and so disheartening that he decided to start the pro-truth pledge. And as somebody who's also a cognitive neuroscientist and really one of the brightest people I know, he figured out how to create this pledge to begin to push back. It's the pro-truth pledge. The book is called Pro-Truth. And the movement that he really spearheaded and that I am thoroughly on board with is a pro-truth movement to make truth matter in our political discourse, including social media conversations, including how politicians speak to the American people, because without truth, democracy doesn't work. Well, that's for sure. It also doesn't, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work without truth. It doesn't work without information. Information data, I think, is the is the grease that turns the wheels of, of, a, of a liberal democracy. And um, I am interested first, though, in hearing your answer to the question, well, yeah, but what is truth? I mean, it seems now everybody has their own version of reality, and social media has only exacerbated that, as we've seen. Um, and I've got a lot to say about that. I'm sure you do too, which we'll get into. But I wanted to first just address this basic point of, well, you know, yeah, your truth, my truth. I mean, this seems to be something that isn't, even if they don't use those words, seems to be an attitude that many Americans are falling into. And that's, a that's from my experience, a pretty culty headspace because truth is truth. And, and there is an objective truth that we can point to and see. But when we have this idea of everybody having their own truth or, you know, that, that, that there are alternative facts, I mean, this really starts us on a road that descends very, very rapidly. And I, and I don't know that people appreciate just how rapidly it can go. I'm really glad you made the comparison with, uh, you know, uh, the previous Soviet Union because they, they were a government that specialized for three generations in selling their public on non-truth, you know, and making truth itself, the speaking of truth, a crime, as, as Orwell has gone over. So, right. so how, do we, how do we determine what, what's true? What's truth? <laughs> right. So um, as a philosophical question, what is truth can get very tricky. Um, I actually studied philosophy in my, as my, uh, my university undergraduate d- degree, and that question really bedeviled me. But you can also simply be a pragmatist Mm. and you can say, look, 95% of the time when we talk about truth with a small t, we're talking about facts you can perceive with the senses and verify as true or not true. So I either, you know, if I said to you, I had breakfast yesterday at the Tasty Diner across the street and I ordered oatmeal and I ate at nine o'clock. If you were there, then you could have been a witness to whether or not I ordered oatmeal or something else wasn't there at all. It's that simple. 95% of the time, that's what we're dealing with. Let's take a a very real life and death case. The coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. Every day we get reports of numbers of of positive test cases. Mm -hmm. That is a fact. You've got lab results that are reporting what those test results said. Now, you can't make those go away. Mm Mm-hmm. 
that's a fact. You could you could say, oh, there might be some false pa- pos- false positives. Um, you could say that in fact there are many more cases out there than the ones that are tested. But the ones that have been tested and seen as positive is a number that's been derived credibly, tabulated. That's the number we've got. You well, can- what would you? Uh, fair enough. And without getting too philosophical here, because I I definitely get your point about practical, pragmatic, you know, interpretations of reality. And yet we seem to have this alternative universe that people can go, that, that is thriving, that people can go live in. And they can view the world through the lens of, you know, Fox News. They yeah. can also view the world through the lens of CNN. I mean, let's be clear that there is no media platform out there that is giving us the unbiased, fully objective, here's the facts and nothing but the facts. There, that platform has gone the way of the dodo. There, that doesn't exist anymore. So, well, uh, let me, let so me how push do we, back on that, Chris. Yeah, how do we? Because I, I've been flipping literally back and forth between <laughs> Fox and CN for the last three days, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like coronavirus numbers, votes counted our numbers and True. to fox news's credit their vote counts are just the same as what you see on cnn why is that why aren't they reporting different numbers because it's a fact right <laughs> well that yeah fair enough but we have to admit that that hasn't particularly stopped fox news from reporting Complete nonsense, you know, on certain right. issues, right? You, you, so you're totally right. However, l- let's face it. I've actually been impressed. They have not only been reporting the facts, but they, their analysts called Arizona for the Biden campaign long before other networks did. AP has also done it now. Yep. And the Trump campaign, as you well know, was furious. And the Trump campaign demanded that they retract that. And I think it's a real testament to Fox's um, search for credibility that they did not bow to the pressure of the campaign. They still have Arizona as the call they made in Biden's case. Now, a call is not a truth. It's not a fact. Right. But it was a call based on their analytics and their numbers. And they did not bow to political pressure. They did not change it. It's an interesting twist of events at the in the fourth quarter that Fox would do that, given their their track record over the last four years with this. Right. I, I'll also put there that I think there is, and we're recording this, by the way, everybody, just so you're getting this. This is posting Saturday um, midnight Mountain Standard Time, but um, we're recording this midday Friday. And right. uh, and so we don't know if, you know, in terms of the election results may well be completed by the time this posts, but we both doubt it. We think that this is still going to be uh, uh, an up in the air question as we're as we're sitting here talking right now. We don't know the results and we we don't think the audience listening to this, you know, on the day it posts will either. But um uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's an advantage to, or I think Fox News is sort of hedging its bets a little bit in that they're like, well, you know, Trump could legit lose this thing. And if we come out as, you know, Trump state TV down to the very last minute, then maybe they're thinking they do lose every ounce of credibility they've got. And so, OK, let's be objective on this one. Right? And I, it's the only reason I can think of why Fox News, why, why the Murdochs and, the, and the, 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 the crew who runs that operation would, would, would feel like they need to be factual at this moment, you know? 
You know, I would say two things, Chris, uh, beside the fact that I'm disoriented by hearing myself speak so positively about Fox News. <laughs> but indeed, one of the things that we say in Pro-Truth, both the book and the campaign, is that you should honor and celebrate truthfulness. So true that. network that has spread misinformation yep. comes out and reports things clearly and directly and resists the temptation to spin things towards their candidate, that's to, be, that's to be praised. Everybody who's a fan of truth can simply say, you told the truth, good for you, yeah. proud of you. I want to let everybody know that, that we think this is a good thing you've done. And yeah, that is, that is a good point. Is, the Fox Newsroom is also different than the Fox opinion, right? The Fox entertainment of folks like Tucker Carlson and, and, and Sean Hannity. Right. And this is actually an important part of the, the pro-truth, the point the pro-truth books makes, which is that the media in recent years has done a very poor job at celebrating news reporting from opinion. Yes, you know? yes. And, this is a key issue. Yeah. Go ahead, please uh, yeah. elaborate. So CNN, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, they have a lot of opinion pieces, but more and more we encounter those on social media where if there is the word opinion, it's in little tiny type somewhere um, above, a, above a video. And so people are believing that the news is less and less anchored in reality when in fact it's news station opinion pieces that may take one or two facts and then go off in one, in one way or another. But that has eroded people's confidence in the media because it's not clear enough upfront. So I believe that, especially in social media, the news channels need to be much better at labeling what's opinion and what's news reporting. I agree with that. I believe, tell me what you think of this, I thought a, year, a couple of years ago, very simple solution. It's simply put on the Chiron, you know, the lower third on the screen there, opinion piece. I mean, let's label it thoroughly, right? Just like in the newspapers, on the editorial page, you knew that was a page where it said right across the top, opinion pieces, right? Or editorial page. And you knew that these were people who were going to present point, counterpoint, or whatever, but it was going to be opinion-based. And, and here's where you could go to read that. And it was really understood that that's what you were reading. And I think you're nailing it here. And is this in your book, by the way? Is this addressed yes. in the book? Yes. Because this is really crucial. Perception is everything when it comes to how human beings accept information and, and, and judge it. And if they believe that they are watching news when, in fact, they are watching an opinion piece, opinions about the news, they will conflate these things, and it, and it's sloppy thinking like that, which is which is primed by the fact that it's not labeled. It's not it's not like clearly delineated opinion, fact, and these things get mixed up. And this has been something that goes back actually to I mean where Roger Ailes was pushing for a Fox News, you know, type of thing. As I understand it, Ted Turner beat him to it with CNN. And uh, that came out first. And that set up this platform of let's have a bunch of talking heads sit in commentary about the news rather than just report the news. So it's, it's really not so much a, 
we're, we're sitting here bashing Fox News hardcore right now, but I really want to stress that this is not a left-right situation. This is happening on both ends of the, of the political spectrum, and it has had negative repercussions on both ends of the political spectrum as a result. That's, that's how I see it. Would you care to comment on, on my yeah. commentary there? Absolutely. And, you know, people are often confused between the difference between um, socialism on one end of the spectrum and fascism on the other end mm -hmm. of the spectrum versus one of democracy on one end of the spectrum and totalitarianism on the other end of the spectrum. Right. So one is about your um, who's in who's in control and one is about how much um, how much freedom people people have. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, you could have a totalitarian state that is communist, or you can have a totalitarian state that is far right wing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so Turkey right now is a really good example of a totalitarian state that is quite leftist, quite socialist in its perspective. The Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, they were totalitarian and leftist. Um, Nazism, totalitarian and rightist, right? Fascist. Right. Um, some of the regimes right now that are, that are rising up, um, you know, um, Hungary, uh, Poland's government, they seem to be moving more towards authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. Authoritarianism is on the slope towards uh, totalitarianism, right? You get to nations like, like China and uh, North Korea, it's hard to say whether they're socialist or um, or, or, well, or, those, or, fascist, I mean, yeah, right? those... or mil militarist, <laughs> but they're clearly totalitarian. Right. Clearly people can't speak, don't have the freedom of, of speech. Yes. So it's easy to get mixed up in those. And that's why lots of times people um, uh, are against socialism. They're actually not against socialism. They're against totalitarianism. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes Let me total sense. Put that, put that aside. So when it comes to truth, the thing is in a democracy, you need to have common facts. And so first of all, you have to be able to distinguish between what's opinion and what's fact. Until you've done until you've done that, until people know what they're what they're looking at, how do they even know how to take it in? In a democracy, we believe in freedom of expression. Everybody has the right to their own opinions. But as I think it was Daniel Moynihan who said, you don't have the right to your own facts. Right. And that's and yet, why we've taken a and, dead dangerous turn. Well, and that's exactly right. And it's that exact divide that's being created. In, in terms of you do get to have your own facts. That is the case now, is you, is you do get to have your own facts. Kelly Conway, it's alternative facts, you know? I mean, this comes from the highest levels of our government and is purported on by a media that has been up until fairly recently, I, I mean, uh, all too willing to forward that information, to forward those lies. I mean, it was, I think it was yesterday when the, when the CNN, NBC, like all the major networks literally turned Trump off when he was talking about rampant election voter fraud. And they just said, no, we're done. And they just pulled the plug on the on the press conference. Now, I didn't, I wasn't watching that. That's what I read after the fact. Mm -hmm. But had that sort of thing been occurring from day one, it's it's a difficult proposition. And maybe I, I, I'm curious about your your take on this and, and where you guys come from in the book on it. Because, you know, you don't want the media to become the arbiters of truth. And, and pulling the plug on a press conference is certainly them doing that when the president of the United States is forwarding disgustingly unfactual information, easily right. disproven. Right. 
So they, we've put them in this position where we want them to be telling us the truth. We want them to be forwarding information to us that is truthful. Yet at the same time, the media is supposed to be reporting on, you know, all sides of a situation. And so it's, it, gets, it gets complicated. How do, we, how do we sort this out? Right. So you've really put your finger, Chris, on something that has flummoxed the media. And it's taken them a while to respond better to it. And this is they've never before run into a major political candidate and then a head of state who will tell flagrant lies. Yeah. Right. And often do them in very dramatic, high emotion ways. Back to Hillary Clinton is a crook. Right. Yep. yep. Right. No evidence for that. But and that repeated again and again and again. So the media reports. We, we just lost says, a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, the just media, What do you mean there's but, no proof well, Hillary's not a crook? <laughs> right. Well, um, it, a crook is somebody who's a criminal and a criminal is somebody who has committed the crime. And a crime is something that you can actually prosecute. And believe me, everybody wanted to prosecute Hillary. <laughs> that right? is correct. If she was not guilty of a crime, she would not be walking around the street. Right? That's right. That's right. I mean, that's, you so, know, I got to say it's true. There are so many bizarre red flags connected with the Clintons. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know a political figure who has been more investigated than Hillary Clinton over right, the years. Right. Let us now step to the side of Hillary Clinton, clearly <laughs> yes. as a case in point, though, yes. of how Trump has repeated something that has no evidence, not, not convincing evidence behind it. Yep. And yet the media repeats it. Why does the media repeat it? Because it's high emotion. Oh, right? yeah, very much so. It it's, really it's all about triggers the people, right? It's all about the clicks. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And they know that's what's going to get people reading. Yep. But also, it seems like legitimate reporting. You report what a, polit what a politician has said. If he says something inflammatory, you report it. That's the news. Yep. It took them a while to realize what was Trump was doing was something that he's done um, as a real estate, let's say it what it is, as a real estate con man yep. to many investors and partners, people that he's worked with, is you tell them the lie that gets them hooked again and again and again until they start to believe it. This, by the way, you also see in Mein Kampf, where Hitler basically said you have to repeat your main idea again and again and again until it gets penetrated into the mind of everybody. Yep. Modern psychologists have a name for this. They call it the illusory truth effect. And this is a well-established psychological phenomenon. The more we hear something, the more likely we are to perceive it's true. That's right. Now, that may sound a little counterintuitive, but there's a way of explaining it that's quite, that's quite simple. Oh, no. Yeah, please. please. It's, a, yeah, it's, it's yeah. very intuitive as far as I'm concerned. So, well, for anybody for whom it's not, let me, let me yes, say please. this quickly. <laughs> um, when we hear something once, it's an unfamiliar idea, and our minds question it they pause if we haven't heard anything like it before we like how do we fit how do we fit this in right the first time you come across a platypus what do we do with this is it a is it a bird is it a uh is it a is it a is it a duck is it a mammal? <laughs> is it a we don't, don't duck so we what get is that confused <laughs> when we hit something new we get confused and we look at it closely yeah. but the more often we run into something the easier it is for us to say oh i've seen this before it's called processing fluency right? It's the same thing like when you first learn how to drive a car. The first time you're behind a wheel, everything's strange. You don't really know what you're doing. Years later, you do it without even thinking about it. So the more you hear something, the easier it is to process. The easier it is to process, the more comfortably we can do it. And the more comfortable something feels, the more likely we are to think it's true. That's how our brains are wired. Right. So Trump and other con men like him 
use that processing fluency to repeat a lie again and again and again so that it becomes so familiar it starts to seem true. Now, if we go back to Hillary, even back in 2016, I ran into friends of mine every now and then who would say, yeah, Hillary, there's just something I don't trust about her. And I'd say, really? What? I don't know. It's just something about her that... That was because they had had the illusory truth effect pounded into them, like like a path that's been worn or a groove that's been worn a hundred times. Trump is doing this right now by putting out his flagrant remarks with no basis whatsoever on voter fraud, mm-hmm. right? And what is the media doing? They're reporting him's saying voter fraud. They're increasing the processing fluency of everybody in the country. That's right. So voter fraud makes sense to us all. So we start to think, oh, well, maybe there could be voter fraud. They should investigate that as opposed to this is a wild allegation with absolutely nothing behind it, right? Yep. Now the media's attempts to moderate this is they say Trump is asserting without any evidence that voter fraud, but they're still repeating voter fraud. Exactly. Exactly. And here's the other, there's another effect at play here too, and I'm forgetting the name of it, but the description of it is quite simple. The first thing you hear is the one you're going to most likely believe. So there's repetition, right? The illusory effect you discussed there. Um, and there is this business of the first thing you hear is is the thing you're most likely to accept. And both of these things, if you were sort of to, to diagram this out, come back to an even more base impulse that we all have and and it's and, and we don't have to think about it. We actually have to fight with with critical thinking to overcome this base impulse, and that is we need the world to make sense. We, we need things to make sense. If things don't make sense, if there is a confusion sitting there, it will act like a splinter in your mind. It will just sit there and it will rub and rub and rub the wrong way. And it's, it's almost painful. And our brains are constructed not to find truth. Our brains are constructed to resolve that confusion. And however we resolve that confusion, and this really is to the heart of the matter of why we accept lies so easily, is because it resolves the confusion. And this is cognitive dissonance theory. Exactly. Right? So these two things come together in this really awful way for us, where we are susceptible to misinformation in a very, very flagrant way. Right. And we ha- right. and this is why critical thinking enters in is so important because it's it's the it's the process we've invented that is an artificial process to overcome this natural process we have of trying to resolve our confusions. Cuz a lie will resolve a confusion just as easily as the truth will. Exactly. And, and that's you know, what we want. So, we want to avoid that awful feeling that we don't know. Right. How the world is we don't know how reality is and what trump is a genius at is he's a genius at resolving that confusion with a lie that energizes his supporters i've got a good metaphor for you on yeah, this and by the way it's the the primacy effect you're referring to the first thing we hear so many people th- take a look at elections and even political campaigns as like a as like a sports match so a football game is a great way to think about it imagine you're in a football game and your team scores the winning touchdown, but the ref calls a flag on the play and says the ball was caught out of bounds. 
So what do you do? The first thing you do is you think, that call's wrong, right? You can't believe it. No, our team deserved to win. We were winning. You could cut the ball. It can't possibly be that way. We cognitively refuse to accept it, that splinter that you, that you say. So you're sitting there, you're yelling at the refs at the TV. That's where many voters are when their side is losing the final, the final count, as is the case for Trump supporters right now, was the case maybe yesterday for Biden supporters. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. It's been We're a wild week rest. for everybody. No. So now, now, because sports has great TV coverage, cameras everywhere, now what do they do? Let's go to the replay. Now you look at the camera replay and you see there's your player who's caught the ball and his foot lands just outside the white line. He is out of bounds, right? That's when you feel despair. Shit, we've lost. But now imagine the coach of the winning team says, that footage has been faked. The referees are corrupt. Now there's a choice that has to be made by you and the people who love your team. Do you go with what you want your team to win and agree with the coach that the whole thing is corrupt? Or do you go with the game? Wait a minute, these are the rules of the game. Of course, the refs are not corrupt. Their whole job depends on their integrity. And the TV cameras, they've just been turned on. They've just been recording what just happened a second ago. How could that possibly have been fixed? It doesn't make any sense. Is there any evidence? No, the coach is just saying, I know because I was supposed to win. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what we've got right now with the U.S. election. And the question for fans of the red team is, are you going to accept the facts that you've seen on the instant replay? Or are you going to accept the, let's say, even the lead player on the team screaming that the whole system is now corrupt? The whole system was corrupt. How did they win the last time? Exactly. But this is where... And just to comment on on your commentary here, because this is this is quite insightful and very very true, and that's a great analogy and one I'll probably steal, because uh, it Please. is actually really quite good uh, as a sports analogy. And what we're seeing with this decision point is we are seeing the emotional layer, like everything we've talked about in terms of cognitive dissonance and you know and multiple you know I- I- exposure to a thing could almost work in a machine. It could almost be an or you know it could almost be a, a a programmed machine level response, but then there's this additional component that makes human beings so insufferable and yet so amazing at the same time, and that is the emotional component. We need it to be true that the guy was in bounds, not out of bounds. We have emotional needs, and those emotional needs are the most powerful force that drives human beings. It's not facts and reason. It is the emotional force behind it. And so I can't explain necessarily why that is, but I know it's true. So so the emotional component, and again, because our brains are evolved or because we've evolved to not necessarily be truth machines, but just to be satisfied. We want satisfaction. So... We twist that reality, and that's where it becomes not a binary choice of will I accept facts or not, because there's this whole layer of 
you know, of experience and insistence that we are right. We can't lose. We must not lose. It, it will be, it will be, and here's what we see on, on social media being expressed by far too many people, is it will be an existential cataclysm to the human species if we lose. <laughs> you know, and then I've seen this on both sides, right? I mean, the Dems are like absolutely convinced that if Trump were to win another term, it would literally be the end of the world. And same on the other side. And this is the product of years of cultivated brainwashing, I'll say, on the part of social media and echo chambers and everything else we talk about on this channel. But what's your, what do you, what do you think about what I'm talking about with this emotional la layer? Yes, it's, you're so right. And let's face it, half the country is going to be experiencing that no matter who ultimately wins this election. That's right. That's right. So if I could go back to the football analogy, yeah. when you've seen the footage and your, that touchdown is, is called back properly because the foot was out, was out of bounds, then you actually have to choose. Do you support your team and attack the game or do you support the game? And in this case, the game is American democracy, Beautiful. right? That's right. If you support the game, then you have to accept that sometimes your team loses. No team was born, not even the Patriots. No team was <laughs> born to win forever. That's no right. team was born to necessarily win this time. And the tragedy is, I think, for many Trump supporters, he has them so riled up, so connected to him for reasons we could discuss separately, mm -hmm. that they are ready to burn down the game for the sake of their team winning, not realizing that if you burn down the game, you don't actually have a team anymore. You've destroyed the NFL. You haven't won the game. You've ended the game. That's and right. that's, that's that's great. I love that. I love that because I think that that is a clear, again, a clear delineation or definition or look at what do we mean when we're talking about the cult of personality that surrounds Trump? We talk about this cult of Trump. I had Steve Hassan on here. He wrote a whole book about it. And we talk about, you know, the religious factors and the political factors and the brainwashing factors and, you know, manipulation, et cetera, et cetera. But it really does come down to, are there people who are willing to burn the entire field down because their team didn't win? Those are cultists. If I was going right. to like make a, a delineation in the line, in the sand here of, you know, you have all the Trump supporters. And actually, we're really just using this as a case study. I could say the same thing about any side of this, okay? We're just talking here about this one. Um. You know, there are people in that camp who will accept the results of this election, who will go, okay, yeah, we lost. I got it. You know, and those are not your cultists. Those are mm -hmm. your Trump supporters. Those are people who are Republicans. They are GOP mm -hmm. members. They are they are right wingers. They got their views. We're OK with that. I don't have a problem with those people. It's the people who want to burn the entire field down, as you so aptly put in your beautiful analogy. Those are the ones who are truly dangerous to the entire system. They are self-destructive. And that's where you're into cult extremist territory, where they've lost the plot. You can't see the whole game because you're fo so fixated on your side. So that being the case, um, 
how do we address this in terms of, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a big problem. This has got every yeah. element of human drama in it. Yeah. So how does this pro-truth pledge, I mean, you know, you hear about it and you kind of go, really? You're going to ask a bunch of politicians and people to, to pledge to say the truth? How does that have any teeth? What? Do, what, what? So how does this work? What are you guys yes. trying to, trying to, how are you trying to solve this? So thank you. Let's talk about how the pledge works for politicians and answer the question, does it work? Yeah. So today, 11,000 plus people have signed the pro-truth pledge. Over 1,000, almost 10% of those people are elected public officials. Oh. Many of them are state legislatures or they're, they're state officials that are elected officials. Um, currently, we have seven sitting members of, of, of Congress, at least the last Congress, um, from both parties. Now, six are Democrat and one's a Republican, but still, it's both parties because this is meant to be a bipartisan movement. In fact, one of the one of the early endorsers and champions of the pro-truth pledge is the founder of the Houston Tea Party movement. Wow. So, um, and this is important for, for us because we want to make it really clear. Truth is not just nonpartisan, it's transpartisan. Any political party in a democracy needs to depend on truth. And ultimately, the credibility of their elected officials matters. So the pledge is an opportunity for elected officials to state publicly, I'm going to be truthful. I'm not going to retweet misinformation. I'm not going to have my staff spread rumors that are demonstrably false. And in signing the pledge, they commit to 12 truthful behaviors, many of which are on, have to do with how you use and, and and communicate on social media mm. or publicly if you're a public figure. And we've seen some great results with, um, with officials who signed the pledge and then retweeted something. Someone from the pledge brought it to their attention. Hey, you signed the pledge, but look, this tweet, where's your source for that? It doesn't appear to be true. And they sometimes tweeted, I've been pointed out that this is not factually, factually accurate or I haven't been able to verify this, and then take it down. That's good. That's, that's praiseworthy, right? Yeah. You know, you... Who doesn't want a political leader who, when point, it's pointed out that they've made a mistake, doesn't say, oh, I made a mistake, I'm correcting this, yes. right? That is, that is a big deal, actually, uh, because if right. you look at the percentages of people who just refuse to do that, you know, it's, right. yeah, it does speak volumes that somebody would publicly, especially a public figure in a political sphere, would admit to a mistake, in a, in a, you know, publicly. That's, that's a big deal. Hey, everyone. I wanted to take this opportunity to talk to you about a service that I am endorsing and that I truly, truly believe in. And that service is called BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. And they are av available through BetterHelp.com. And this is a service that connects you with a licensed professional counselor online so you can get help with depression, anxiety, stress, or just somebody to talk to in this very, basically, very troubled times that we're living in right now. It is not easy to get out there in the big wide world right now. It is not easy to get out and see therapists or counselors. It is not easy to find counselors or therapists who can help you. And this is what BetterHelp was designed to assist you with. The simplicity of this is you go to the site, you sign up, 
actually you use the link <laughs> that I have provided below, uh, which is betterhelp.com slash Chris Shelton, and you get signed up. And this can be for as little as $40 a week, and they actually even have uh, financial aid available. You enter some information, fill out a questionnaire about yourself, and you get hooked up with a counselor that will help you out. And this can be via text, via voice, or via a video. Okay, any one of those. It's up to you and your comfort level. And if the therapist that you get connected with isn't doing the job that you feel you need, you can ask for and get a different counselor. So there are a lot of options for you in this, and it is really something that I think a lot of my viewers should be taking advantage of. I have talked often about the need for or the help that you can get through professional counseling. Sometimes you need somebody who really does know what they're doing and not just a friend or family member to listen. And that's why this service is something that I am happy to put out there for you guys. So again, use the link below, betterhelp.com slash Shelton. That is in the description to this video. And I hope that you um, can get the help that you might need from this service. Let me know how it goes. Um, politicians do say things that are, you know, are self-serving, that may be misleading. Often they're things that have been fed to them by their staff, numbers of things like that. They can't expect to know everything. Um, you know, if you, you look at the media reports that tabulated the debates between Trump and Biden, uh, Biden also said some things which are not true. Absolutely, there, he did. You know, Trump yeah. said lots of things that were not true. <laughs> Biden said some things that were not true. If you just go playing by the, by the numbers, yep. there are some things that Biden said that the media then went when they were fact-checking and his campaign came back and said, oh, that was a mistake. It was an error. We retract that statement. Mm -hmm. I want somebody who could admit when they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Trump campaign, no way. They doubled down. I have never, that I can recall, heard Trump say I was wrong. No. he, And, that's the, and that goes all the way back to the character of the man. And I and I can't stress enough that my, you know, I, I think people who are watching my show get this, but anybody who's new to my channel needs to really understand that my position against Trump was as a former cult member, not a, it was not a political position. And I, and I, and I put it out there from the point of view of, hey, there are, there, there's, there's, there are things about this man's personality that are, that are going to guarantee that he's going to be truth challenged. Right. And, and you know? if I can connect it to the, the, the cult experience, it's also, you know, you can see for some people how, how they map reality, their mm -hmm. source of truth can come from different places. For some people, their source of truth comes from science. Right? They may have no religious beliefs whatsoever because they think religion is not scientific. Science is their one source. Mm -hmm. Others may be political pragmatists. The source of truth is what is useful. Um, there's also a huge number of people in the world for whom their source of truth derives from their spiritual values. Mm -hmm. And in mm -hmm. previous ages, before scientific ages, that was it, right? You know, the king and the pope gave you the law and they gave you the truth. Yep. Just as men mostly were law givers, men were the ones who gave you how the world was. The, the, the Catholic Church told you how the world was. Like Galileo comes up with a theory that 
uh, the earth revolves around the sun, the Inquisition catches him and threatens to torture him unless he recants. Why? Because we, the church, will tell you how things are. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people still have much of that mindset. Truth derives from the authority who speaks the truth. Truth right. is a logos, a word given. Cults are exactly that. The cult leader speaks the truth. And life is simple because that's all you need to know. There's no cognitive confusion or dissidence. Life is easy because you have one source of truth, like one news channel. That's right. <laughs> and that's all you listen to. That's right. But it doesn't work in a democracy simply because there are different people with different core values. Right. So if you have a dozen different cults and they each have their own truth teller, all they can do is fight. Right. You need an objective standard for truth, a common knowledge of truth that's not a religious or spiritual or values-based truth about how things are. Then you can come together and compromise, maybe even fight about what do we do? Huh, coronavirus cases are going up. Do we have a lockdown? Do we um, put restrictions on which businesses can open? Uh, but you need to know what the the trend is to have a policy discussion that, that, that can allow people with different values to work together. Exactly. If this was, if the world that we lived in was a level playing field of information and, and access to information, then that would really be the end of the conversation because then it's really a matter of, you know, group of people, we're going to vote. You're gonna, you guys are going to have choices. You're going to choice now. It's not a single line of information. It's not a single line of this is how the world is. It's we're going to let you guys decide. And so you need information. You cannot make a decision without information. There's just basic cognitive science, right? So um, the media, the four, what is it, the fourth estate? Is that what they call that, right? The the media is supposed, you know, if they were this this objective arbiter, of, or not arbiter, but objective deliverer of just information, and we, the consumers of the information, were able to parse through that information and go, oh, yes, this is good, and this is how I'm going to make my decision, and I agree with this, and I disagree with this. Very simple, very simple, simple, simple thing, Right. But we get we get spin, we get spin because perception become we you know we 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 learn over the centuries that that perception's malleable and that information can be can be delivered in different ways. Where I'm going with this is that the media also has a responsibility here because the media be, can be itself become the message as they as they as they say. Is the pro-truth pledge also something that is being given to media outlets or media sources as, hey, we need to be on the ball here too? Absolutely. Individual journalists have signed the pledge and media organizations can sign the pledge. Um, Chris, I'm, uh, am I right in assuming you've signed the pledge? I think I did when Gleb first sent it to me. I think I yeah. did. Yeah. 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 So... You know, there you go. You're an example of somebody who has a great range of opinion on, on your show, but I have no doubt that you would challenge somebody who came out with, with what they claimed was information but were actually false facts. Absolutely. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you yourself wouldn't say something that you thought was untrue because you thought it would make you popular, it would be influential, <laughs> no. right? Obviously, right? No, exactly. And right? I have pulled episodes, by the way. When really? I, when that's, I, that's... yeah, when I reported information that actually, like on day one, somebody went, "Hey, that's wrong," 
I went, you know what? I, and I pulled the podcasts and 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 snip snipped and redid the whole thing because I want to yep. be, I want to. If I get something wrong, fine, I get something wrong, but I didn't do it on purpose. And I right. and I want to be factual. I want to live in a world that is yeah. that is you know where I believe true things. Yeah. So you're an exemplar of somebody in the in the media who's practicing the pro truth yes. pledge and in practicing it and in doing those things and telling people about it. You're also spreading the social value of being truthful. And that in itself is really at the heart of the pro-truth pledge, the book and the pro-truth movement. It's believing that we each want to share information that is good and correct information. And that by censuring those who are tempted to do otherwise, we decrease their payoff, right? If a politician lies and there's a pro-truth movement, um, and their, and their opposing candidate has signed the pledge, then that politician has a strike against them. If they sign the pledge and continue to lie, we call them out. Yeah, right? We go. post that they signed the pledge, but then they told lies and didn't, didn't retract. So there's a negative, there's, a, there's a, a penalty for signing it and not being true to those values. This will become more effective as more people sign it, as more politicians see an advantage to signing the pledge because their credibility gets boosted and even if it's not necessarily their own values to always be truthful, maybe they're too tempted to spin, but having signed it, they know there's a bigger penalty now for going against it. So we, our, our hope and our intention is that by building this over time, a citizen's demand for more truthfulness and accountability direct from politicians, that we will move the needle significantly. And, and that's because the news media itself can't do it on their own. This is partly because social media has become so pervasive that lies and disinformation from Russia, from, uh, from, from, troll, from factories that's take, that just churn out misinformation deliberately to deceive people, those need to be stopped. And the media wasn't designed to do that. That's right. So only, we, only literally we the people can say enough and we can start to become better filters, start to purify, if you like, the, uh, the bubbles in which we, um, we, we dwell in. And when we spread this truthful behavior, we make social media space less friendly to lies and misinformation. What do you say to people who tell you that this is a Pollyanna solution? That this is like, yeah, it sounds nice. It's really great. The best of all possible worlds. But come on. You know, how yeah. do you, what, are, what are you guys talking about okay. here? You know? So um, I really, I hope your listeners write this one down. I just heard it recently from, uh, from a friend of mine. Pessimists may be right more often than optimists. But optimists make more things change. <laughs> Well, that's true, actually. And that is a completely factual statement. I literally just last week learned about optimists and pessimists from a psychological point of view. And what you said is absolutely true. Because if you can't, because a pessimist will actually be more factual more often about mm -hmm. the barriers and reasons why not to do something. That's absolutely true. Yet at the same time, if everybody was a pessimist, there wouldn't be no forward advance because the progressive, you know, mindset, the scientific mindset, dare I say, is one of questioning and what possibilities and what ifs. And yeah. if you can't imagine those kind of what ifs, if you can't optim, 
you know, be optimistic that way. And because that's really all it is. Optimism yeah. is really a matter of looking at other options. And, yeah. and if you, and if you, you know, and that kind of a, of a, of a, uh, what's the word, a, a tendency of, of a person to think, those are the people who, who advance the civilization forward. They are the inventors, the dreamers, the people who can imagine a different world, even now, if it's not necessarily factual yeah. at that moment. Yeah. Now, let me add, though, the world desperately needs pessimists. Yes, we need right? both. That's you right. I'm, I'm an optimist in most things. My <laughs> wife tends to be in, in something more pessimistic than, than, than I am. Yep. And the number of times she has pulled me back from the brink <laughs> yep. doing something truly disastrous because she's questioned in, in just the right way. So, and this applies also to the pro-truth, um, pro-truth movement. I would say if you are a pessimist and you think that'll never work, sign up prove it to us <laughs> you know look at people who've signed monitor if a politician has signed it and you say ah they will never follow it monitor their feed and if you find they haven't report it back to us let us investigate then if the politicians say yeah i'm going to continue to lie you the pessimist can say see i told you right but exactly. by checking on them you give more power to the pro-truth pledge whether it's going to work or not you give more power to it by being engaged and being pessimistic about those who signed it that's what we need we need people who are out there diligently looking ready to call people out if they don't live up to their 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 pledge especially uh, public officials so this is tailor made for pessimists to join optimists yeah we'll like yeah we can do this but the pessimists are wanting in and say really i don't think so and that's how you get the bugs fixed actually that's a great point you know come in and prove us wrong show us show us how wrong we are right sign up and, and watch what happens i yeah. think that's a great answer how are you guys organized what is this how, how is this movement uh that you guys are trying to start and this is clearly you know grassroots work here how how big is this? How is it headquartered? How is it run? So it's a uh, it's a nonprofit. It's based out of Columbus, Ohio, which is uh, Dr. Sprisky's home uh, uh, home. We've got a executive director board of I believe five or six people on that. Beyond that, there's a much larger advisory board. Then there are volunteers, and I have to say, our volunteers, especially during this campaign season, have been absolute gold. They've been tasked with going out and calling their representatives at state level, at congressional level, informing them about the pledge, inviting them to join, and um, getting truth onto the agenda has really been the first major challenge now for what is a budding pro-truth movement. So we've done that now through the election process. It's going to be a hairy little time probably still to come. But our plan now is looking forward to continue to expand our, um, our numerous volunteers, uh, a space for everybody to get engaged in finding ways to create a pro-truth movement, mostly by contacting your public officials. Step one, get them to sign the pledge, then hold them accountable for what they've done. Ideally, we would also love to see policies put in place with which discourage misinformation. We've been both, both politically, but also in, in terms of regulations and in terms of social media. We've been really encouraged by seeing um, Twitter, la better label, 
political statements that are false, as they've been doing recently with what That's President right. Trump has been saying, right? Yep. We need more of this. We need those platforms being accountable for the ease with which lies can populate across their platforms. It's not enough to just give people a platform. Sadly, and I don't know if you saw that fabulous documentary, The Social, the social, the social Dilemma. dilemma. Yeah, uh, I haven't brought it up in this show yet, but yes, I have seen it, and it is very important that everybody right. see it. Yeah, I would say just briefly, what it shows is that social media algorithms tend to feed you back what you spend your time on. If you even pause to read something, let alone click a like or a dislike, that's all recorded. And one of the things that's discovered is the stuff that's most divisive is the stuff that people spend their most time on. That's so right. that's the stuff that gets fed back into the sh into the machine. So you get these self-reinforcing loops. Stuff is more divisive. Stuff that's false tends to be retreated, reposted more. Why? Because it's not just accidentally false. It's been designed to feed those emotional needs to people who want the world to be a certain way. Right. So the false news is specifically designed to populate on social media. And until those platforms get a real handle on that and change their algorithms to not just feed us what we spend our time on, it will become a more and more toxic place. We look at the pro-truth pledge as like a mask you can wear on social media so that you do not spread misinformation and you are more protected from it. So, um, you know, just like a virus, misinformation is viral. It gets inside of you and then you spread it out. We need to cut that transmission. And the pledge is like that thin piece of fabric that can cut how a coronavirus can infect the ones you love. Awesome. Awesome. I, I could not agree more. I think that we have a number of vectors of attack, basically, in terms of dealing with this very very huge problem. I mean, it's a problem on the order of climate change. It's it's huge. We have created in a matter of 15, 20 years, um, you know, these platforms. And if you haven't seen The Social Dilemma, I, we can't break it all down for you other than what we've just summarized. I mean, it really is a matter of you have to understand it's not about you as an individual. It's about a collective thing that's going on with all of us at once this this social media problem and it's and and so you might think and and who knows maybe you are the one exception who isn't influenced by propaganda <laughs> advertising and and echo chambers but you know what i doubt it because you aren't human if you aren't if you aren't susceptible to those things that's kind of these are very basic things you know the the most humble cognitive bias that cognitive bias specialists have found is called bias blindside, which is if you think you know about cognitive biases, your overconfidence may leave you more susceptible. Exactly. Exactly. I cannot tell you how much I laugh. I mean, just laugh out loud. At first, that was at first I was laughing out loud at people who would leave me comments in my videos about, you know, Scientology and stuff about cults, and they would say, you'd have to be a moron, you'd have to be an idiot, only a fool would fall for this. And, and you know, and uh, I'm immune. Here's what, here's what the next next logical line in there, in that stupid line of, uh, of thinking is, is I don't 
get affected by advertising. I'm not affected by that. I've been immune to all of this influence and thought reform. And I just can't stop laughing about it because it's it, it's just so it's such a ridiculous idea. Um, but then more recently we see, well, I'm not a fa- I'm not in an echo chamber. I'm not affected mm-hmm. by social media's algorithms. And you go, I don't think you really truly understand the scope and size and, and definition of this problem. Um, so there's a lot to know about that. But the bottom line is that we are all being influenced in this in what is basically a mass hypnosis experiment that's been being run for the last 15 or 20 years. And it's not even conspiracy theory. You know, it's not. It's 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 a it's this is as factual a statement as we know how to make from the people who you know. Yeah, again, watch the documentary. It has everything, and I, and I'm harping on it only because it has everything to do with what we're talking about today. So I'm really glad that that you brought it up and and uh, expounded on it as you did. Thank you. Yeah, this is. I think we are all toddlers in the world of social media. Yeah, it's only been around for like uh, less, than a, less than a generation. So it's not surprising that the things that make us emotional and have temper tantrums and can lead us to think crazy things, it's not surprising that that's hooked so many of us. Right. We're all toddlers learning our, our way forward in this. But what I love about it is it is giving a chance for everyone to feel that they have their voices heard. Many of us have to still learn what that's all about, that you can't just scream expletives in all caps, right? In a comment, you know, yes, you can do that, but now you are screaming like a toddler. I would say we've just finished having a toddler presidency largely fueled by social media, right? right? I can only hope the next four years are lower caps, (laughs) (laughs) are not not all caps, right? I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you one thing for sure. I mean, I, 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 regardless of the personalities involved, regardless of Trump as an individual, the president having a Twitter feed is probably the single stupidest thing I can imagine having in this world, especially now that we understand what's, how, how social media actually is driven. We understand now because whistleblowers have come forward, not because the companies are transparent. They are not. These companies are, have a lot to answer for, but there mm-hmm. are whistleblowers who have come forward and have it exposed how the sausage gets made, how the algorithms work. And these are, these are as far as I'm concerned, and I know this is going to sound hyperbolic, but I believe time will actually prove me out in this. I, I, I believe with the information that I know and the psychology and sociology principles that I understand right now and my cult background – I, I believe we are looking at something on the order of a weapon of mass destruction when we're talking about social media. There is a tremendous amount of advantage, as you have pointed out, the, the ability to communicate with one another in ways we've never been able to before, the ability to coordinate activities of a positive nature, of a good nature. Those are things we want from these platforms. But the way these algorithms are feeding us information and biasing our perception and biasing our worldview is frightening. Frightening. It's it's terrifying, and we really need to get a grip on that. Absolutely, and yeah. we we can. I mean, part of the reason algorithms are what they are is the owners of these platforms are trying to maximize their share price, trying to maximize their profit. Advertisers are, are trying to sell us things. Um, it's interesting to think about a platform that would not be based on advertising, yes, and that would 
um, police itself against disinformation and have something like the Pro-Truth Pledge as a, as a task force to work together to keep that platform clean, if you like, and make it a social space. Maybe it, make it more like a town hall uh, rather than a marketplace. Good point. And, and, a, and a great place to, to, to sort of move toward wrapping this up, because I think that's, that's exactly where these two vectors come together. And, I, and, it's, and it's why I wanted to, you know, when Gleb reached out to me, I, I, I had, I've, I've been so damn busy lately. He had to reach out to me a couple, he had to, he had to nudge me a couple times. But I'm really glad that he did, because I, this is something I support. This is something I want, and I don't feel Pollyannish. In supporting it, I, I do feel like, as, as I think you're right, that it really is a matter of if this stays a small, tiny little movement, then fine, then it doesn't get what we want. But if this could grow, if this could expand, if more and more and more and more and more people could sign up, could be aware of this, could push for this, I think we could see some kind of effective change from a grassroots level, while at the same time, the pressure and heat is put on the platforms to change the way they've been doing business. And um, all of us in terms of how we interact, you know, like you said, I mean, the all caps expletives, yeah. the days of that really need to become numbered. And, uh, yeah. and until we change these algorithms, I don't know that it will because these things feed our baser you know, emotions in ways that are truly destructive. I'm not joking about that. These are destructive. But we do see the problem now, and we can do something about the problem. And I believe this movement is part and parcel of that solution. So I want to I wanna back it up as much as I can. So thank you. Chris, thank you. And thank you to all your listeners and, and viewers for being with us on this, on this call. Uh, let me say the uh, website. The yes, pro, please. It's protruthpledge.org. Protruthpledge.org. And the book is simply Pro Truth. You can get it in any online bookstore, any bookstores that have their doors open. Uh, support your local bookstores wherever you can. Uh, and, um, and do you know, they, can people reach you personally through that website? Yes, they can. Okay, um, great. Just put a, uh, uh, just, just put a note to, to, to contact me. Uh, I'm also happy to, um, uh, to engage further with anybody if they send you an, an, an email. You're welcome to just shoot them my email too and, and connect me that way as well. Awesome. Chris. No problem. Yeah. And, um, and this will post tomorrow. You know, So I ask every guest, you know, if you want to check out the comment section on YouTube when this posts or at sensiblyspeaking.com, where I don't tend to get a whole lot of comments there, but I get a, I get a lot you know, more on the YouTube posting. Um, you know, if you want to respond to any people's questions or, or issues there, then, uh, then, then feel free to do so. Great. I'll check that daily for the, the next couple of days once it's up. Awesome, man. All right. Well, I hope everybody out there uh, will spread this information around. Please, please do share this podcast around. I need your help to grow my channel. But I also, I think both of us would like your help to grow this movement, too. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so please do get this around because, uh, you know, it's a sad unfortunate truth on my channel that when I start talking politics, a lot of people start running away. And that is very sad to me because, um, and very surprising, actually, in a way, because 
you know, when I'm talking about psychological and sociological methods of control, persuasion, influence, and I'm talking about how people get to extremist headspaces, I am talking about politics. <laughs> how, how anybody could think that this is somehow divorced from the mainline topic of cultic influence. I, it boggles me. It absolutely blows me away. You know, it's just one of those frustrating things as a creator because you want people to get the information that we are talking about here because these are important principles. And they just run away because you're not, you're not endorsing Trump, so fuck you. And it's like, wow. Wow, you know. So anyway, my my rant. Tim, thanks for being on the show. I, I really appreciate your time and attention and, and putting up with my little soliloquies here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my pleasure, Chris. Hey, I wish you, uh, you know, I, I wish your show to grow and thrive. And um, this critical thinking, man, that's something in short supply in this country. So thanks for feeding. feeding I'm trying. Doing my best. Doing my best, as are you. All right, guys. Uh, check out the description section below, which will have links to Tim's site and this truth pledge. And you can find out all about it there. Um, and of course, if you're enjoying my channel, if you are one of the people who are watching and listening and loving what we're doing here, then consider joining me on Patreon and supporting the channel because believe me, at this time, I could really, really use the help. The economy is taking a hit right now and so is my channel and, um, and it's, it's, it's not fun. So that being said, I hope to see you guys next week and uh, you guys have a good week and hopefully we'll have results before the end of the day. We'll see what happens in terms of our national election. All right, guys. Bye-bye.